Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, the Carefree Blurred himself, and this is issue 115. Oh, house. You know, I saw you here last week. What made you want to swipe right for this guy? Do you want to get out with him? We've been watching you. You're doing something to humans. But you don't want to be. I feed off of others. What am I? You're a witch. I'm a witch too. Humans and witches can never make it work. We need to hand her over to the elders. No, we need to protect her from them. Make it stop. You're not just any witch. All of our power together, we could do anything. This is who I am. This is who I will always be. You can't feel the danger you're in. What danger? Damn you, dear. What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? Welcome back. I am Rain Coleman, your host. Hit me up on Twitter and TikTok at Carefree Blurred. Hit me up on IG and YouTube at Carefree Black Nerd. On YouTube, if there is ever a visual component to these podcast episodes, you'll catch it there, live and in full effect. See all my editing work and stuff, so check me out. Uh, Please be sure to rate the show. Give me those five stars on your favorite listening platform for podcasts. Let me start out with a happy Black History Month to everyone under the sound of my voice. Hope you all are living well and having a good time. We're going to dive into something pretty interesting that is an ever-growing, ever-going, continuing conversation. And that is, why do people only care about realism and fantasy when it comes to including Black people? So this is a question that I found online while I stumbled upon. And though it is... um, basic and i mean basic as like something that we're constantly hearing anyways and the answer should be so obvious i still wanted to take this time to dive into this topic and give my two three four five cents of it all so as a comic book consumer as a consumer of pop culture of nerd culture i have never been too far away from someone complaining about a black person on screen, on panel, on page. And it's unfortunate, but it's par for the course of being a nerd or blurred or in these spaces. And I always found it odd. And maybe it's like the intersectionality of it all being queer, being black, you know, being in America. I don't know. Or if it's simply that I was raised in a way and consumed media that showed me that diversity is not a bad thing. But then you have those who are upset and frustrated with it. Now, with that question, there was a like a kind of overview of this person's thoughts about black people in fantasy, where they mentioned they weren't discussing like the characters' race being swapped because race swapping is a thing, and you know, folks fall on either side of hate it love it some are a little indifferent but that's something that people are also vocal about but the person who posted the question wanted to know um aside from the race swapping part of it like the actual inclusion of black characters they want to know why did it frustrate people so much and i get that i i, I get that but that's a question that has been asked and answered time and time again 
not even by the people who are like giving you a genuine, legitimate, thought out answer, but just by people who are like racist. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Because if you can believe that there are dragons and people who can walk through walls and folks who can speak to, I don't know, inanimate objects and hell, people who have scales all over their body. And they can turn into dogs, but you can't believe that a black person would exist in this space. That says more about you than it says about anyone else in this conversation. There's another part of it that is pretty interesting, frustrating as well. And that is when you do get a character who is black or I don't even say black or brown a lot of times you'll get that like piccolo of it all or the panthro where that person and panthro isn't maybe the best example because they all were lions <laughs> but you'll get someone who is surrounded by humans but they're this anthropomorphic like humanoid character or there's someone with a very non-natural color skin like blue or purple or green or something and then that is the surrogate poc the black person and it happens so often in so much media that to even ask that question almost feels redundant. Why do people only care about realism and fantasy when it comes to including black people? Um, there's a young woman who wrote a book, and, and forgive me, because I, I know I'm going to get these details wrong. It just hit me while recording this, um, and I know I won't have the name. If I can think of it, I'll put it in the show notes. But this was a few years ago, and she had written a book, very Potter Harry adjacent, uh, with that dealt with magic and it dealt with people in schools and whatnot. And when she got to describing the black people, she described their locks in very derogatory ways of which they were dirty and had these mites in their hair and this and that. And within the world of the story, it halfway almost made sense. It was like the dirty people who have these things like were lesser in magic or something. But like when you really take a step back and you look at this story and you see that the black folks were the only ones depicted in this way, that is very telling. So I could care less if it was a happy accident or not happy accident. If it was a purely an accident, because like, what the fuck are you doing? How is this? Do you not have a sensitivity reader? Um, and I'm not going to get too deep into that because I cannot remember the name of the book, but I do know to that author's credit, when, when the, um, transgression was brought to her attention, she altered it in her book. And there's two sides of that coin where it's like, oh, she did it. She did the right thing. Good for her. But then it's also like those people will say, well, this is her telling her story. She shouldn't have to change it. This, then, the third. You're right. You're right. She should be able to write whatever she wants. And she wanted to say these black people smelled bad and they were poor and lazy and whatever else. She has the right to do that. But if you're someone who wants to exist in a space, specifically literature, and continue to write your books and to let that be your career why would you want to be known for i don't see how it was unintentional but even unintentionally targeting and reinforcing negative stereotypes about people you know what i'm saying like it, it, it's not like there's a villain who's like oh i hate these people your skin's darker than mine fuck you die even that's terrible but it wasn't even like the villain in the story did this you're simply describing these people and you're doing it in a very horrendous way where was the sensitivity reader like if you're going to write someone and i've said this time and time again before i've even said it on my own author uh podcast and i'll link that in the show notes as well if i'm going to write 
a trans person. I have to at least look at trans experiences. I have to at least speak to a trans person because that's not my lived in experience. And I would hate to write a character, make them trans and then fill their story with a bunch of stereotypes or a bunch of hurtful language that does not need to be there. So yeah, she corrected her wrongdoing, but like, why, how do we, how do we get there to begin with? What bubble are you in that one, your thought of black people was this, it was this disgusting thing. And then two, you have no one to kind of keep you accountable. That's weird. You're not reaching out to the communities you're choosing to put into your work. And that's not to say you need to, if I'm going to write an Asian character, I have to have to make sure I consult with the Asian council. It's not that, but if I am going to write one in one, I need to figure out, is this necessary that I write this story for this person who is not of my community? Again, not saying you cannot write the story of someone who does not have your shared in, shared and lived in experience, but what, what, what story am I trying to tell? And is it necessary that I tell that story for that particular community? Um, so enough about that. When we get to the fantasy of it all, we've seen people frustrated at black folks being included in fantasy and sci-fi and futurism. Like it, it's run the gambit of like, why are these Negroes here? And it's like you swear up and down that we don't see ourselves in the future in fantasy. We have Afrofuturism. We have tons of wonderful minds who have crafted stories that have black people in them. And we've also been forced to read and consume and watch your stories since stories have been a thing. And yet we still find a way to enjoy them. So to be like, oh, why is this black person here? When you can just enjoy the story being told to you, but because everybody doesn't look like you and all of a sudden you're out of it that that's that's concerning that's concerning it should be concerning for you because i can read again a book about an asian trans woman who's disabled and i can enjoy the story i don't have to see a uh, black man from the midwest who likes comic books in a story to relate to it or to enjoy it like black people want to see ourselves in this escapism media. We want to see ourselves in these wonderful stories as well. So like, I don't know, it's frustrating. So the one thing that comes to mind when I do think of like black people getting pushed back for being in these stories is actually Game of Thrones. Now, Game of Thrones ran for eight seasons. And I want to say I watched four or five. I know I fell off towards the end. Still got the highlights from social media, so I kind of know what happened. I don't really care to revisit it. I'm not that concerned. But there were, from when I watched, I may, I may get the number off a bit, but from what I can remember, there were three black folks. There was the big black guy who was tall and thick, who was in that country region where Khaleesi went and he like was trying to play her and she ended up locking him in that big safe that supposedly had all those jewels and stuff. Then there was Jacob Anderson, that beautiful, wonderful man. And then homegirl. Oh my goodness. I'm forgetting her name. She also played in a, um, vampire, um, movie, the invitation, uh, Natalie Emmanuel. She was also in there, and um, th I'm 
sure there was maybe one other black person who like had a speaking role of importance, not speaking about simply like a um, like an extra background character. Now I say all this to say that that's all that I remember. If you know more in those eight seasons that popped up, please, by all means, let me know. Like, well, no, there was actually five or six, whatever. That's fine. But that's not my point. My point is that the few that I remember had their role, they were in, they were out. I don't think that just because you write a fantasy story, you absolutely have to include black people. But what I'm saying is these three people were included. When the House of the Dragon came out, or was... was um premiering when they were doing the marketing and, and releasing information about the show and whatnot one character in particular struck me i was like okay i'm gonna watch this i'm watching this for him i gotta know what's going on and that was lord and i'm gonna say his name incorrectly corliss i think that's it valerian the sea snake now he popped up in this game of thrones prequel as a rich dark black man with long white locks who had a station with a main character. His wife was um, still white. She was the Valerian. And their kids were, you know, mixed kids. But they, they looked black. So, my concern, I remember expressing this early. Like, what is going to be the pushback for this character being race-bent when Valerian has no race tied to it? There's nowhere listed in what I found. Now, I haven't read all the George R. R. Martin books and all that, but nowhere have I seen that Valerians had to specifically be white people. And Lord Corley's station and role in the story did not tie to any race. Now, that could be because, again, white is the default in most things. And when George R. R. Martin wrote it, it was just, I'm writing these white folks and that's what it is. Because if I can take a quick aside, another common um, pushback argument that we get is, oh, what if the Black Panther, what if he made him white? Well, he was white for a time. He was not white for an ent for his entire run, but he's been white. It's a mantle. But that aside, the Black Panther's race is tied to that character. You wouldn't just have a random white person being the Black Panther. That would not make sense with the character. Now, if you make it make sense in the story, do whatever. Okay, fine. We, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But that's very different from taking, let's say, I don't know, Plastic Man and making him black. Nothing about Plastic Man's origin. Nothing about his run in comics. Nothing about his power set. Nothing ties him directly to being a white man. So if you made him black... Yes, you would get pushed back because like, oh, my plastic man, I grew up with was white. Sure. But like, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with making that person black. So getting back to Corliss, I am still kind of figuring out my thoughts and ideas when it comes to race bending. But what I will say is I knew there was going to be pushback because that particular character, people are clamoring about, oh, he's uh, he should be white. This, then the third. And I'm not one to. I'm not. OK, how am I going to say this? I am not going to say something like y'all didn't even care about that character. And now that he's black, you want to get mad. I'm not even going to say that because I think that's very dismissive. And I also am not a stand of these books. There may be a full niche community that loves Corey List and they, they absolutely adored him. So I'm not going to take that away from anyone who is frustrated with the change. But my issue is why is this bothering you so much? The race bending happens, and my a 
other issue with the race bending aspect is not even the character or even the people who are being blatantly racist and upset about the race bending. My issue then goes back to the books, to the show, and to the creator. Because this has always frustrated me. You have this full series, eight fucking seasons, full of all ends, wild and crazy white folks and killing each other and fighting white walkers and all this. Thing. It's entertaining. We enjoyed it. But don't try to then shoehorn in this diversity hire by making Coriolis a black man. Because my question then becomes, let's say we get three full seasons of House of the Dragon. Perfect. It's a prequel season. Let's just say it's, it's three. What happens from the last minute of the last episode in the prequel season to the first minute of the first episode of the main season? What happens in between there where all those black people are then gone? What happens? And then even if we're not just talking about the Coriolis Valerian bloodline, what about the other black people that are supposedly around? Like you, you write these stories. You do not focus on black and brown and POC people. I'll lump everyone in for just a second. And then you go back and do a prequel and then try to like feed them in. But for, to what end? What, what are you doing? Like it, it's shallow and we can see that. Yes, I could be happy that Corliss is black and that this black man and these two black kids got them a check. Kudos. But like, what are we really doing? If you didn't intend for black people to be in your story, that's all fine and good. Don't shoehorn us in into a prequel just to have us not exist in the world itself. Because it's there's this dissonance where I can objectively, I could just watch a show and be like, oh, okay, this was a good performance. Black, white, or whatever. But then it's also like, if I'm a fan and I'm following this story, you're doing me a disservice. I don't expect for everyone to live. Because people was dying left and right. People was fucking left and right. People was shit happening left and right. But if I'm immersed in this world and I'm enjoying this story, why then go back and give me a piece of something just to rip it away? Because again, where are these black people? I just, I, uh, so even aside from the folks who are just racist about being upset that these, this man is black now, even like I'm not going to say I'm siding with them because that's definitely not it. But I'm also like, I think them and me have a, a, a shared confusion because what are you doing now it's it's a shared confusion for different reasons but we're still sharing the same confusion you've made this man black great on my end terrible on their end it exists so we're both acknowledging that he's black but what happens now what happens now you know and so if i need to go back and watch every single season and like i just that's a lot well you can just do the work to begin with or let's say this george r, r. martin since we're just race bending folks add in a character because isn't he i don't know if at the time of this recording if george r, r. martin is actually done with the game of thrones book series because i know he um uh he was not finished like the the show surpassed the books and so the fact that that happened and they still went on with the story and the fact that it's a, a fake fictional story just proves that you can do whatever the hell you want so i don't know i just i think it's in that particular instance is cheap and i didn't it was shallow and i uh, i don't know but if you loved it that's all fine and good this is not to say that you can't enjoy cory list and his family and their story i just have a hesitation with it that I think is warranted. 
because of the way people have handled diversity now being woke something that black folks have um a term that we've come up with and coined is now being perverted and used in a, such a way where now you're it's the exact opposite of what it was supposed it was intended to mean and we see that as this dog whistle for whenever someone on the screen is not white and cis and straight it's like do you not get tired do you not get i don't understand that if i have a hundred options in front of me and one of those a hundred options happens to have nothing but lesbian women from maine why would i then get upset that they have their own thing kudos to the lesbian women from maine for having that one thing because I have 99 others. It's like, what the, What are we doing? So, my frustration with that aside, I, I'm tired. I'll say that. I'm tired. So, when you get all of these properties and then you get them in the hands of black people or black people telling their own stories, you get something that... I'm not even going to say it's necessarily better than anything else, but I will say that you're getting a different perspective. I'm going to enjoy it. And if I don't like it, oh, well, <laughs> it is what it is. But one uh, one example, I think, for those of you who have seen it and have read it, is Lovecraft Country. <sighs> Matt Ruff did something very interesting with the book itself. So I remember reading the book. And then I think I remember, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I got the book first and then found out it was going to be a show. And I enjoyed the book. And there were some hiccups there. There were some things that were like, oh, okay, what is this? But all in all, Matt Ruff, as an older white man writing a story, did a pretty good job. He did a really good job uh, telling this story. And Misha Green and company did a even better job at bringing it to life to the point where when he released the second book i was i knew i was going to get it no matter what because i'm like even even if it pales in comparison to the first book even if it pales in comparison to the actual um to the show i'm fine with that because he did a really good job i don't know if he had sensitivity readers i don't know what he did but he told a story about some black folks in the south and he did a really good job. He took some source material that was racist Lovecraft and he made something that was interesting and that didn't feel like it didn't feel like executive saying, well, this quarter we need a black show. It felt like he wrote a story that he enjoyed and that he did some research to get done. So that's where I'll leave it. So in Lovecraft Country, you that is not that is it, it was no race bending there. There was gender bending, but there was there wasn't any race bending there. There those were black people. And I think the success of the show, whether you hate it or love it, is enough proof that Black people want to see ourselves in fantasy and we can see ourselves in fantasy. And Misha and company did a really good job, even with their hiccups and missteps um, of giving a show, an urban fantasy period piece with time travel that I think could rival a lot of other shows. I'll even say something like Outlander, though they aren't exactly the same. Um, they deal with mysticism, but they... They're, they also vary. I think that 
the magical component and the drama component of um, Outlander is slightly different, but I, I think that they could rival each other. They could be, um, they're up there with each other. Um, and so we have other properties that are being made by people of color and that, and if not made by us, have our hand in it that shows you that, yes, these are things that we enjoy. We can see ourselves in Like there's no way that you can seriously put on, speaking of Hollywood, um, TV and movies and media about the future and science fiction and fantasy and monsters for decades, centuries, and have that be what we black folks are consuming. And then be like, oh, black folks, they don't, they don't care about this. They don't want to see themselves in this girl. We have been watching this since you've been putting it on. You don't think just like the, our white counterparts who are watching this and joining it and writing their fanfic and stories, you don't think we're doing the exact same thing even if we're simply writing about other white people and not ourselves, you don't, you still don't think that we're doing the same thing. Like, come on, let's, let's get real. So that being said, I watched a show, the first episode of a show that I think also proves that one black folks, we like fantasy. We like urban fantasy. We like that magical mystical stuff. And then two, it is a diverse enough um, cast. And again, I'm only on the first episode of this thing, and I'll get to it in a second. Um, it's a diverse enough cast that um, you can, anyone can watch it. Even if you're somebody who just needs to see yourself and yourself only on screen, you can watch it and still enjoy it. It's, to me, this first episode is very, it's a UK show, it's a British show, but it feels very black in a way that's mm, i'll say it's like mm, what would i say hold on because i'm trying to trying to get my words together well i'll just get to it so the show is called domino day um this show domino day is a powerful witch with a dark secret she has to feed on humans to survive she is desperate to understand who she is but she doesn't need to look far for answers as a coven of witches is already tracking her every move. So it feels like it is like a regular show. And you know, it's a UK show, so it's a little, I don't want to say exotic. That feels like the wrong word, but it's it's a little, it's different from an American show just by virtue of it being a British show. And what I've come to love and, and like about British TV and, you know, TV overseas is that you'll have this mix of people, even if they're all white, they're all black, Asian, whatever, like you'll get this mix of people. And then it's so different from my own contemporary stories, especially my own world that I see when I walk out my door that. I'm going to find something that I enjoy, um, even from like their streets, their cars, their signs, their culture, their food, their clothing. Yeah, it'll be similar enough because we are like a global community at this point, thanks to the Internet and trade and technology and whatnot. But like there's a lot that there's a lot of differences you can see even amongst the similarities, like the hairstyles, the clothing, the way even like some of their slang. And the way that they speak, like accent aside, you can see that. And in this show, it feels, I'm trying to think of what show I would hold it up to and be like, oh, it's similar to this thing. It's almost like a CW show, but done really well. It's like, um, think of like a Buffy, think of like a charmed adjacent. I I'll say that. And 
just lay over the you got the bones of those types of stories but you have the filler in a the not filler what is it the aesthetic of british and then you have like the sprinklings of African spiritualism. And I'm going to say African spiritualism because I do not know the exact terms for like voodoo and hoodoo and other spiritual works like from the continent of Africa. I don't, I'm not familiar. So if you know, if you've seen this show and you're aware, let me know. Use that hashtag CBN pod and let me know like, what is it? You know, this is actually called such and such. And so I'll know going forward because I don't believe in this first episode it was expressed like no one was like oh yeah girl we're using such and such from nigeria like there was nothing listed that way so i'm going to say african spiritualism just to kind of be respectful and to also keep enough distance because i don't know specifically what um what this was so domino day the show is like it truly feels like a regular show, like a girl dating, dealing with some stuff. But then there's, of course, that um, supernatural paranormal element on it as well. And they dive right into it. Like from the first scene, you get that something's going on. It's not a, hey, my name is Domino. Look at me. So, hey, y'all, I'm a girl who's 22 years old and I'm in town and I'm here to party. Like it, it's not you don't get this long, drawn out build up. You get you you get the story from the first second we got this crack mirror she got a bloody nose she put on her lipstick and you're like i don't know what the fuck is going on but something is happening and that's something that i don't even think is like signature to this show it's a lot of uk shows <sighs> just done well think of like lupin think of um luther think of even like fresh meat um misfits like they they give you story and so you don't know exactly what's going on but you know that there's something going on so i read the synopsis on this episode just a couple minutes ago but prior to watching i did not look it up at all i just saw a few steals from it i saw some magical stuff with some black women i was like press play so i'm watching it without the knowledge of the um synopsis in my mind and she's on this date now but she's at this bar talking to this guy cute guy locks bright skin and he won't well, bronze whatever black dude and they're talking and they're doing a little flirting she's like yeah i'm waiting on my date this and that and he's like well he brought her another drink and it was like oh i don't want you to feel uh i don't know if you got stood up or not she's like oh you're so nice and in 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 the bar scene i kid you not this made me kind of think of mayfair witches and i don't know if it's just because of um homegirl mayfair and then the dude who was like trying to date her who ran the bar but something about that felt very mayfair but good and so the dude show up and she's like yeah i like muscles and smiles and this and that and the dude who showed up was not muscular at all <laughs> but they get to talking he go back there uh she go back to his place he pushing up on her being a creepy like let me go freshen up going to the room feeling behind his tv or something she come in and it's moving so fast that like i'm, I'm seeing what's going on but i'm trying to i'm i'm one and i've said this before 
<laughs> new listeners i'm one who loves to figure out what's what give me a mystery give me something that i need to try to figure out and i'm gonna do my damnedest to figure it out before the end credits roll and i'm trying to figure out okay what's going on who's the bad guy who's doing what what's up with domino i know just from the steals for the show that she got some something going on with her magical but i don't know what it is man they get in the bed and they play it like he's he's a creep but then she's also like they're not shy about her wanting to have sex or her wanting to be physical with him and it it was done in a way that felt like it didn't feel like oh she's just a promiscuous girl and she likes to have sex it felt like there was a an urgency to it where i myself i was like okay is she going like is she a vampire is she going to eat him man they got in that bed and so the way because they had this kind of back and forth between her and the the young guy it felt like you were trying to almost figure out who was the quote-unquote bad person was it her for being so forward or was it him and i'm not going to say that she's bad or he's bad because of that so you both young have a consensual sex whatever but there was a point where i realized well, I understood what was happening. And it's when they got in the bed, he kind of threw her on the bed and she was like, okay, let's do this. And they're, they're both. So at this, at this instant, you're like, okay, they're both about to have sex, but clearly something is going to happen. When she got in bed, I'm about to get a little graphic, but not X-rated. She was on all fours facing the headboard and he was behind her. And she, was like okay hold on and once she said that that's when i knew oh he's clearly the villain because it, it it switched from like two people being um interested in having sex with each other and being like flirtatiously aggressive with each other to him being um discounting her feelings and even her consent and then once that i said okay oh i see what's going on she flipped this motherfucker on his back got on top of him straddled him put her mouth to his and sucked all of the life out of his body i was like god damn and the way that they did it was so it was done so well i love when you get special effects that rely on regular everyday like common physical stuff and not necessarily the uh post-production like the lights flickering on and off um even like the context in her eye because her whole the whites of her eyes went black. Uh, that may have been a post thing. <laughs> Either way, I like the scene and like watching her body contort while doing this to him. It was, I could see how this could be terrifying because you, as the viewer, like, okay, I'm, she might have been to kill him or they're going to have sex or, you know, worst case scenario, he's going to bypass her consent. Like that's something that your mind can be like, oh, this is what's going to happen. And you could react accordingly. But the way she was like, contorting her arms and hands and i was like god damn what the fuck going on here and then even him um as the person who was like having sex with her to like be excited oh she's about to get on top of you and then all of a sudden she just like pulls this like energy out that shit was i wasn't expecting that and i was like okay 
I'm seated. Let's see what is next. And so within all of that, she does this. She like wipes his memory. She puts her like thumb to his forehead. She's like, you, you won't remember I was here. You'll never remember me. And, and you'll just wake up with a, with a hangover and a headache and some other shit. And she went into his kitchen, took the two bottles that, uh, he, he served him some wine. She washed them up, put them up and she did a bunch of, she pretty much just cleaned up her tracks. And then we go on with the story and it, it, and you come to realize like she needs to do this thing. And I'm, I'm assuming I'm kind of, but not, but I'm assuming because I've only seen the first episode and I have yet to watch the second that she needs to do this thing to me and to survive, like to physically live. Cause I get the impression that if she doesn't do this, she might die. So I don't know if she's cursed, if this is a part of her being a witch or whatever is going on, but there's a, this black woman who is kind of spying on her and she's telling her, she sees all this, like when, when uh, Domino's on top of that dude and sucking the life out of him, the lights in his apartment or his flat, as they say in the UK, was like blinking on and off. And then the black girl followed her again. And she's like, it's crazy. It's such a good first episode that. I'm scared to keep going because what if it's not as good? No, it's good. It's good. I enjoyed it. And so you got, um, you have these other witches. So you got the dark skinned black girl who's kind of telling her you got this tall, blonde, white witch. And I think I like her already. She reminds me of a home girl from leverage. Is it somewhat a P Phoebe Piper? I don't know. Well, no, that's charmed. Uh, it's a, whatever. She reminds me of her. And then there is this, um, short, kind of chubby Asian witch and then there's this black witch who she reminds me of Mary J. Blige I don't know what it is let me look up the cast because I for some reason she it's not like they don't look I don't know it's something about her I don't know existence she just seems like Mary J. Blige could play this role um and so they go to the girl's apartment. They go to Domino's apartment and they snoop. They show the witch powers where the girls turned invisible. Um, then you got my heart heard it. My heart went out to them. So they did a good job at setting up the like romantic part of it where Domino and the bartender were uh, kind of flirting in the beginning. And she go through all this mess and find out that the, the guy she stole the energy from was actually recording their encounter, which further proved how much he's a creep and a jerk. And that's something that I agree with. He is a jerk. He's a creep. He, he needs to get what's coming to him. But also, like, he did something heinous. Yes. Did he have to? Like, I don't know what she did to him at the end of the episode. But I was like, does that warrant? Um, like sending him to the other realm, like, yeah, it does, but like, also, because it, it's weird. Because he, it's like the show after <laughs> this is so funny after the show showed him to be the bad guy who you're going to root against, and then she Domino took the energy from him. Then he like found her on the dating app after she blocked herself from his phone and like messaged her from his friend's account. And sent her the video. And so she went to get the video. So instead of him being like, what the fuck did you do to me? Um, you're evil, this and that. He was like, yeah, you got uh, to give him, beg him and do sexual things with him. And that to me was really weird. Because if I, okay, y'all picture this. He's the, I get that he's the villain. He's the bad guy. 
But if I've gone through this experience that when he woke up the next day, he was truly drained and looked sickly. Y'all remember an interview with a vampire when Louis became a vampire and like his light skin faded and turned like a grayish color and then it like restored that moment that he had truly died and became like this grayish sick looking person that's what this man looked like for the rest of the episode so i'm thinking like if i've gone through this i have a video of me trying to sleep with this woman but she took my soul or whatever why am i trying to have sex with her i already feel like my body is shutting down why is your payback to have her have sex with you? Like, I would not want her to out. Like, I don't. <laughs> and maybe there's some guys like that out there, but I just cannot see myself being on death's door for maybe two days, a day or two days, finding her, confronting her, and being like, now have sex with me. You. <sighs> Up until this point, I did not meet. Uh, like being him did not know magic existed in this world or whatever the fuck else you did to me you if i saw i, I just can't it's weird it's weird it's weird to me and of course he's the bad guy so fuck him but like the, him aside the fact that the show made that decision was kind of weird so i'm like do you we already get it he's the bad guy like he was already like sleeping with her or attempting to bypass her consent. Like we get that he's evil. Why are you then having him be like, let me show you just how evil I am. I'm on death's door. Have sex with me. It was so weird. That's what I'm like, what is happening? So she at the end does something, I don't know, and like either kills him or sends him to some other realm or something. And there's a whole lot more. Like I've I've spoiled a lot, but there's so much else going on in this show that even the stuff that i'll spoil like it does not it truly doesn't matter because there's so much more so i'm interested to see what happens here um so they do deal with that african spiritualism i'll call it that and i it's so interesting the way that they um did like um what was I trying to say earlier? Not every like practical graphics where like it was camera work. It was some staging that showed things being larger than they really were or more powerful or stronger than what they actually are in real life. And this show, this was a, a great pilot. I think if you're looking at a bunch of first episodes and a lot of fantasy, fictional, mystical, paranormal stuff, this was a really good episode and it holds up because I do think it did a good job at getting you in, showing you all these people, leaving enough seeds that could take you through to the whole season and then leaving you on a cliffhanger that makes you want to know more. Like, I truly think they did that. So I'll say all this to say with Domino Day, first of all, if you can watch it, please do. It's good. Watch it so I can have someone to talk about this with because I enjoy it. And I'm going to watch episode two pretty soon. But also, this is just another example of black people being in fantasy and thriving and having that representation and people enjoying it. Now, albeit this is urban fantasy, so it's, it's in a contemporary setting. It's in a, if not our earth, a very similar version of our earth. So there's that. That's very different from like a Game of Thrones, which is this high fantasy elves and witches and all that good stuff but this is just more proof that like uh, black people want to see themselves in fantasy and this i want to be clear this episode that i'm discussing this is not some 
cry for oh please accept us and put us in your thing. I don't give a fuck about that because black people are making their own shit anyways. What I'm saying is this whole idea of you accepting vampires and dragons and walls that talk and little girls who cry blood out their eyes and boys who can you know turn into werewolves and all this other fantastical shit but you draw the line at a black person appearing in said IP that is a problem and that's weird as hell so I'll say all that. Now, let's end this on something a little bit more upbeat and positive. So if you like Domino Day, and I'm not saying that all these things are like Domino Day, but if you like science fiction and fantasy, there is a list of 23 uh, YA sci-fi and fantasy books by black authors that I found. And I will link that um, that article in the show notes as well. It's by Epic Reads. And they go on to say that... There is so much room for YA books to depict all kinds of experience for black characters, not just the stories rooted in trauma and that they've been limited to in the past. But if you're looking for books that celebrate black love and laughter and wrecks for everyone, even more non-European inspired fantasies, we've got you covered. From Jamaican or West African inspired fantasies to zombie field alternative histories, these books by black authors are stories you won't be able to put down. And some of these I actually have myself, some I haven't started. So don't don't clock me on that. But um, we have a song of Wraith and Ruin by Roseanne A. Brown. This is a fantasy duology inspired by West African folklore in which a grieving crown princess and a desperate refugee find themselves on a collision course to murder each other despite their growing attraction. That's cool. We got Blood Scion. This is the one that I have that I have yet to start, but the cover is fucking phenomenal. This is by Deborah Falei. I think I may have butchered that F-A-L-A-Y-E. Um, this is 15-year-old Sloan can incinerate an enemy at will. She is a scion, a descendant of the ancient Orisha gods. Shout out to Beyonce for Lemonade. If you know, you know. Uh, we have The Upper World by Femi F- mm, Fadu Fadugaba. And I feel like I said that wrong. We have Witches Steeped in Gold by Cinnamon Smart. We have Beast of Prey by Ayana Gray. We have Kingdom of Souls by Rena Barron. We have The Gilded Ones by Naoma Forna. And these covers are, like, even if you're, if the covers alone, get the hardcover and set them up on your bookshelves. You absolutely have to read these. We have Ray Bearer by Jordan Afuko, Afukio, I believe. Early Departures by Justin A. Reynolds. Um, this is if you could bring back your best friend to life, but only for a short time. That's pretty cool. Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. Uh, Rust in the Root by Justina Ireland as well. We have Wings by Ebony uh, JL. So there, I'm sorry, Wings Wings of Ebony by JL. And the Bells. Uh, it, it, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. Again, there's 23. So I'll link those in the show notes. Take a look around. And on in that link, I think it shows you, I think it has a direct link to like purchasing the book, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So I'll link that and you'll see 23 examples of black folks dealing with fantasy, high fantasy, urban fantasy, just fantasy and sci-fi and having a good ass time. So happy Black History Month. And if you guys have any wrecks yourselves, be it movies, be it TV shows, be a web series, because we know black folks in the indie game, we got that shit locked. There are a bunch of indie shows. There are a bunch of shows on streaming platforms, even things that are lesser known or, or lesser desired 
like Tubi, which again, say what you want about it, but they have a lot of indie projects, good, bad, or indifferent. They are doing the work and being sort of an aggregator for indie folks to get their get their stories told. So if you have any recommendations yourselves, and if you're doing any reading this uh, month, it doesn't even have to be sci-fi and fantasy, but if there's a book that you recommend or a show or a series or something dealing with black people, let me know. Use that hashtag CBNPod. If you'd like to email me, do so at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Email me directly and, you know, give me some thoughts, some ideas, some questions, comments, concerns, and all that. And, um, yeah, happy Black History Month. I am Rain Coleman, the Carefree Blur. I hope you guys have a phenomenal rest of your month, a phenomenal rest of your year. We're going to make 2024 a really 2020 good one. <laughs> Hit me up on Twitter and on TikTok at Carefree Blurred. Hit me up on IG and YouTube at Carefree Black Nerd. And until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And baby, you can't go anywhere without thinking that you're there. Feels like you're everywhere, it's true. Gotta be reading black books too. Cause in my mind, I love sci-fi. And I love fantasy books as well. Baby, cause I'm missing you. That I'm reading black folks too. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, have a good one. Catch you on the next one.